Welcome to Real Estate Agent Superstars. My name is RJ Baxter, your host with Intercap Lending. And I have with me today the one and only Penny Crook of Canyon Title. She is the sales lead of the company, so the head honcho of all the sales <laughs> with Canyon Title. And she is a self-professed title nerd. And I wanted to have her on today to share with us some market insights, what she thinks about what's happening with the market this summer, and where she thinks it might be going. So welcome to the show, Penny. Oh, thank you, RJ. Thank you so much for having me. This is this is quite the honor. I love I love being able to um, share share my title nerdiness, like you said, with with people. Um, I tell you, I I got my start in title, and I know you won't believe this, but it's twenty five years this year. Twenty five years wow. ago, I know I got started in a small little mom and pop title company in Nashville, Tennessee. So the accent's real. I haven't started drinking yet today. And um, so I helped grow a, a division where we started specializing in REOs. And from there, I became a um, director of marketing for a larger title company that gobbled up my little company. And so I spent the next 10 years on the road um, doing REO marketing to banks with non-performing assets. And on one of those road shows, uh, met a man in, in Vegas who happened to be from Colorado. And between him and Robert Lindley, the president of Canyon Title, I think they conspired to get me to move to Colorado. And that was actually 10 years ago. Right now, this is my 10-year anniversary here in Colorado. And so um, I, I love this business. With my background on the operations, I've done escrow and title and closings. I'm still actually one of the presenters at Canyon Title. So I still love to keep my finger on the pulse of what's important in our market. I am a, a data nerd. So any kind of stats, I love just soaking in the data and sharing that with, with my friends and my clients. And so that's kind of what I bring to, bring to the table when I'm working with agents and lenders across the, the metro. Nice, nice. That's perfect for having you on right now because this market has been absolutely nuts and not in the busy sense of nuts, but just, some, I mean, we haven't seen mm -hmm. anything like this for a long time. So it's a unique thing that we have going on here. What, what kinds of things are you um, seeing right now uh, in general? What's your current assessment of the market? Well, there's, there's two different angles that you can look at. You can look at what's actually happening in the housing market with um, numbers of listings, numbers, how quickly properties are going under contract, how many buyers are out there. The, um, and then you've got the emotional side of real estate, because I think that's something we really need to look at is because when you buy a house, you are emotionally invested in what you're doing. Your agents become emotionally invested to help you get to your goals, whether you're buying or whether you're selling, there's always a goal there and there's so much emotion attached to what you're doing, attached to your transaction. So I think it's, it's smart to just acknowledge that there's a lot of stress out there. There's a lot of stress with buyers because the, the lack of inventory. There's a lot of stress mm -hmm. with buyers because of what the rates are doing right now. And um, do we know how far they'll go? No. Do we know when they'll come back down? No. But I think that it's safe to say the days of three and 4% interest, I think they're gone. I don't, I don't think we'll ever see that again. That was very historic. And um, I think right now our buyers are getting used to a new um, environment of what the current market rates are today. Um, 
I think once we had, once we went through COVID and even before COVID, I think that, that, um, that Gen Z or that millennial generation, they, they weren't ready to launch yet. And then, so that was 18 and 19. And then when 20 came along, they were kind of forced to stay put. So they probably stayed in mom and dad's basement for a few more years. Mm-hmm. And so they got used to hearing 3%, three and a half. I got 299. Yay. And now that they're, you know, the environment is where they can get out and they can, you know, get out of mom's basement, launch. I got a new job because right now, what did COVID teach us? You can work from anywhere, man. So now I can move around. I can go buy a house. But resetting the mentality of, what? I have to pay 7% interest? Mm-hmm. I have to pay 8% interest? And there's nowhere to buy? What? You know, yeah. there. I think between resetting your mindset with what the values are today and on top of that, what your interest rates are. So... In saying that, I think we've got just the data of inventory, data of interest rates, and the emotional side. And I think that's really important on how do we how do we nurture and cater to all of that when we're working with when their clients. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that people are starting to get used to where interest rates are. So there's more people jumping in right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, what I'm seeing, at least, is we're seeing multiple offer situations again. Home prices seem to be uh, stabilizing. I don't think they even went down a whole lot in the Colorado market, at least. But now they're starting to creep up again because of Mm -hmm. these multiple offer situations, properties going for above asking. Um, And I heard a stat recently this week that uh, home affordability nationwide is at an all-time low. So it's the the least affordable time that we've ever seen since that statistic's been calculated, mm-hmm. which is not surprising with home prices so high comparatively and especially compared to incomes and interest rates up right now. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you also hear the, the media talk about initiatives for first-time home buyers and, and mm-hmm. home ownership. And I think you're still going to have to be dealing with there's not enough inventory the builders really can't keep up. We're millions and millions of units under where we need to be to basically give everybody, get everybody into a home. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I see the initiatives to, to get there, but we still have the challenges of new construction, cost of labor, cost of materials, yeah. the time that it takes to build a house. It just can't, just can't do it, build it fast enough. Well, there's a crunch there with the cost of building. Um, mm-hmm. There's only a certain amount that builders can come down on the price they can sell that house for. Mm-hmm. So it's just... Well, uh, you still I, deal with affordability. That, yeah, exactly. Labor so, cost is up. And I think your, your products are still up. I mean, I think the supply chain issue has eased a bit. The cost of lumber mm-hmm. we saw ease a bit last year. But, you know, how, how do I get into a house when... I can't, you know, I can't afford it. I still can't afford it. Yeah, or you have to afford less, which in Colorado is makes it extra hard because there's not very much <laughs> in that entry-level price point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's a double-edged sword. Well, it's for sure around the metro, mm-hmm. most definitely. Yeah, we, we have a lot of frustrated buyers out there right now that just can't, there's just mm-hmm. not anything in their price range. They can't afford it. 
Um, so it's just, it's an unfortunate thing. But there are programs, like you mentioned, that are helping first-time homebuyers, especially like the social equity program. I don't know if you've heard of mm -hmm. that. Mm -hmm. um, which is allowing some buyers to get rates in the fours. Um, you know, buy-downs are back in, in the rage where people can get a temporarily, temporarily lower rate and then with the idea of refinancing the next couple of years to a lower rate. Mm -hmm. um, and those actually have been around for uh, decades, literally, but it's come back into popularity recently with rates going up because for a long time, when you could get 3%, who needs to buy that down? Right. So... It's really interesting to see what's happening in the landscape right now. But um, So you brought some stats for us, so I wanted to kind of jump into that and see some actual data. I so. did. I did. One of the things that you just touched on is um, homes selling for at maybe even a, a little bit above steel. I know we saw this last year where... Buyers were offering just to, to win the bid. They were offering, you know, up to a hundred thousand dollars cash over the mm -hmm. the actual listing price, and it's like, whoa! I you could probably do that when you're at a four percent interest rate, and you've got you've been saving money. I don't think you. I don't know many people who can today, but I know it's still out there. But one of the stats I wanted to share with you. Let me share this with you is um, listing to close ratio. So what I've created here for you is, now this is a, a five-year look from 2018, 19, 20, 1, 2, 2, and 23. And this is showing what it listed at, percentage of what it closed at, hmm. that sales price. So if you look back in the eight, 2018, I mean, it was pretty much right on target. And in 19... You saw a little bit of a seasonal jump. I'm going to say seasonal because January, February here in Colorado, who wants to move? No one wants to move in the winter. And so I think that's why you see a little bit of a drop there. But back in 2020, when COVID hit, I mean, we're still at 100%, 21. Question, what is the, went what's, up. The, what's the footprint of this data? Is this just front range or all of Colorado or what are we looking at? This right here is everywhere that um, RE Colorado covers. So uh, we're going to talk about major metro Denver. Okay. So 21, look at this, 3%, 2% over. I mean, and when you're looking at your, your median home price at 650, that can be pretty significant right there, that extra 2 and 3%. Yeah. Um, 22, we got up to 4.3% over. Mind blown. Yeah, and if and you're in a competitive market, that's hard. That's just really hard. Mm -hmm. and, and the thing to keep in mind, too, is this is average. So there's some houses that went for a lot more than 4.3% over the asking price. Mm -hmm. Yes, it did. You're exactly right. Um, one of the things that I was looking at just from last month, so May, May of 2023, um, the it was at 100.6% close to list yeah i mean the, the data doesn't lie we're seeing it like i'm hearing it on mm -hmm. the street with offers that are actually happening but this puts it into numbers to show that that average is creeping up Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. and then average days on market just for last month 21 21 days on market mm -hmm. and you want to get a little bit a little bit sassier properties that went pending in seven days was 
56% of properties that hit the market went pending in less than seven days. Wow. So if you're a buyer out there, man, you got to be prepared to pull the That's trigger. That's for sure. And the thing too is, um, I don't know if you have stats on this or just know something off the top of your head being a stats nerd, but um, <laughs> isn't it like 25% of properties have been sitting for six months? They're like poorly priced or they're just garbage listings? You see that. You see that. I don't think there's a stat that says your house is ugly <laughs> right. or your house is overpriced. But I can tell you, let's see here. Um, what I'm getting at is that means very few, <laughs> a very small percentage are sitting for longer than seven days before they go under contract that are actual valuable listings. Right, right. And I think that's what's important right now is if, you know, you get your house ready because, you know, there's always going to be something that needs to be done and then you price mm -hmm. it appropriately. And I think right now, back to the psychology of buyers and sellers, sellers, I think, have reset their mindset that I can't off ask a crazy high value for this house because they see that so many buyers right now have lost buying power because of those interest rates. Yeah. Yeah. Um, here's my next one that I created for you. It's historic sales by year. So we're looking at how many houses were sold. So again, it's the last, it's a snapshot of the last five years. So starting from 18 up to 23. Mm -hmm. And as you can see, the number of homes sold keeps decreasing. Mm -hmm. And I think that is evidence because sellers don't know where they're going to go. We see, we've seen yeah. the biggest um, exodus from Colorado in quite some time, but we still have people coming in from California. And when I sold my you know, house in California, I can pay cash here in Colorado. These prices aren't scary, depending on mm -hmm. your outlook. Where are you coming from? Yeah, not yet anyway. Well, <laughs> right, not <laughs> yet. But as you can see, we are still, we're still below, you know, that five-year, the five-year Number so seventy two seventy six was sold last month. Mm -hmm. Seventy six fifty four five years ago. Mm -hmm. As you can see, it's it's down. It's definitely down from the last two years, but we're still below two thousand eighteen numbers. And do you think that's mostly inventory driven? Because I'm looking at. So for those of you listening, um, you can't see this chart, but if you look at. March of 23 versus March of 2018 and 19 were actually higher. And then also April is right in line with what it was in 18 and 19. I'll just, I mean, I'll throw 20, 20, 21 and 22 out the window because those were anomalies, really weird years. But looking back, it seems like we're mostly um, on track historically, but maybe down a little bit in May. So what do you think is happening there? I think... I think we're getting, I think we're resetting our mentality. I think we are coming into, um, well, we, we should be seasonally coming into this, you know, spring buying season. I mean, we're almost, well, we're here at summer now. So we've kind of missed that spring season, which I know when I was here in this market, you know, in the 14, 15, 16, it seemed that May was the time where spring buying season actually started. But as, as the years went on, that turned into March became buying season. They've kept getting earlier. Mm -hmm. I mean, let's look at um, 2021 in March. 
those numbers compared to 2019 and 18, it was pretty significant when that buying season started. Actually, in 21, back in February, there was quite a significant jump in property sold. So I think there was this time where, hey, I'm not going to wait till May. I'm not going to wait till my kid's out of school. I'm going to do it now. I'm going to do it now while there's, while there's some inventory. Yeah, that's interesting. And there was a period in the spring, I can't remember if it was March, where rates went down a little bit. So I wonder if that was somehow uh, related to the, that uptick in March also. Because mm -hmm. I'm, I'm concerned, but also, um, you know, it'll, it'd be nice for home buyers if rates were to come down. And I think that's likely to happen here in the next, sometime in the next 12 months. Mm -hmm. um, I think that could cause the market to go haywire again. Mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think over the past 45, 60 to 45 days, there was so much uncertainty with the debt ceiling. Are we going to, are we going to default on our loans? And so you saw the, the stock market go a little wonkadoodle on that, which affected um, interest rates. And so now that that is behind us, and I think with us coming up on a presidential election, I think that you'll see some movement in those interest rates again, because we want to say, hey, look how strong our market is. But we'll see, you know, what Janet Yellen says. Well, how's your job? How's your inflation? And I think, I think she's going to be the one um, to really set that cadence that, hey, politics isn't playing in this. I don't care that it's a, um, a presidential election. This is our economy, period. So we'll, we'll yeah, see. But on the same hand, I mean, they, they do say that um, the Fed <laughs> says that they're not influenced by politics. But, you know, if the economy goes into a recession, especially if it's a bad one, um, I think it'd be very surprising if they don't do something to stimulate mm -hmm. going, going into the election. Mm -hmm. And the thing that I'm waiting for, uh, not to get too deep on all this nerdy um, economic stuff, but um, the jo you just mentioned jobs. I mean, the jobs market is a lagging indicator. And um, we're starting to see signs that the jobs market has kinks in the armor. And, um, you know, it wouldn't take too many stinker job reports for the Fed to start changing their, um, what, what they're saying, mm -hmm. in my opinion. Mm -hmm. If unemployment starts ticking up uh, significantly into the fours, into the fives, um, you know, there could be a reverse of, of at least what they're saying. May, who knows if they'll start cutting right away, but... Um, I think that could lead to some change in policy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I keep looking at inflation. Every time I go to the grocery store, I, it's, it's in your face how much inflation is out there and how much more we are paying for cost of goods. Mm -hmm. so. Well, yeah, that's the other thing, too, about it is, you know, is, that, is inflation going to come down or not? So then at that point, the Fed has to pick their poison. So mm -hmm. it's just, you know, and that goes into homeownership. This is a great talking point for um, real estate agents is, you know, real estate is a hard asset. It's made out of, out of lumber and drywall and roofing materials and electric and plumbing. And those are materials and the cost of those materials are going up. So this is a hard, you know, real estate is a hard asset and in an inflationary environment, real estate tends to do pretty well. So mm -hmm. it's another argument to homeownership. I totally agree with you. I totally agree with you. Let me so, move right, this so you got more on. For us? I got another couple for you. So you with us being here in the Denver market, I pulled a real-time 
um, property market profile. And this is the data comes from our friends at Altos. Altos is a technology. Um, and what I like about their stats, their market reports, is it's updated weekly. It's not last month and it's not last quarter, which you get from NAR and from CAR, but they provide basically real-time data. And so I did a snapshot here for us for the Metro Denver area. Um, the median list price, $845,000. Wow. $845,000. That's incredible. And, and, and median is half, half of the list prices are <clears throat> above that and half are below, right? Yes, exactly. Yep. So you're looking at that, and if I'm a if I'm a first time home buyer, I can't buy in this market. I, I can't afford it. Mm. I just can't afford it. So moving on the for new listings, that median is seven twelve. Still. Now, now why what, are those numbers different? What's what is it? What's a new listing versus list price? So list price is what was already existing. New listings last week. That's that price. So this is a snapshot of looking at last week. So does what that, do you pay suggest, su does oh, that suggest the higher end properties are sitting longer? Because it pulls that median up on the, on the overall listings? It may. That's something to look at for sure. That's a great, that's a great observation. And it may. I mean, let's look at price per square foot. $409 a square foot. Man. Oh, bless it. And they're sitting 59 days, average on market. Um, when you talked about price drops, so in this uh, specific market we're looking at, 43% did have a drop. Were they overpriced? Within, with what, within what time period is that for price decreases? This is last week. Just in one week. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very interesting. How many? Well, but look at what came up. 4% came up, huh? which may indicate that I got, um, you know, I got more than my asking price right there. 6% mm. got relisted. Um, now here's something that's really interesting. How many buyers are out there right now in this Denver market? Just, just Denver Metro, not including all the outliers, all the other counties, just that major Denver area, there's only 733 properties on the market. Wow. How many buyers are out there? How many buyers right now are pre-qualified to buy a house and they're all competing? If this is where you want to be, this is where you need to be, whatever the reason is, there's 700 that you get to compete with. Yeah, way more than 700 buyers out there. <laughs> um, so did you say, is this Denver Metro or Den just Denver, like Denver County? This Denver is Province. the city of Denver. Anywhere that has Denver as an address, this is what this stat's for. Okay, still 733 homes for sale. That's just unbelievable. Mm -hmm. There's not more. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I know Denver is like a really big area. So just for fun, my house is in Littleton. And so I pulled the Littleton stats as well. 834. Who can afford that? Wow. And only obviously, people, obviously people do. But yeah, 174 properties on the market and all of Littleton. Hmm. Crazy. I so know. why do you think people are decreasing their prices if it's, there's so little inventory? Are people 
Trying to stretch I, too much still? I don't, I think they still may be trying to stretch. And I think that's really one of the things that agents um, are, I think they're still being faced with that their, their seller, they want top dollar because you know what, they're going to have to move and they're going to have to buy, probably have to buy something else. I need top dollar so I can pay top dollar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's just a consideration on, you know, what is the plan? What are they doing? How, you know, what, what's, what's their next step? What's the next step in their, in their journey? Yeah. All right. Well, what else, what else do you have for us? So what else I have, there is this new initiative that has hit our, our, our area. And when I say our area, I say front range. And what I'm talking about is it's called the FinCEN. So that is the Federal Financial Crimes Enforcement Network, CIN, FinCEN. And so they have issued um, a new initiative, regulation, however you want to say it, that is going to affect a lot of investment buyers or investors who are buying properties. And so what they are asking for is information, a little bit more deeper dive information on who is actually buying these properties. Now, it's not every single entity buyer, but that is one of the caveats. And so what I've created here for you is what transactions are impacted. So it is residential properties. So commercial properties, we're not talking about you. If your buyer is paying cash or they're getting a hard money loan, this affects you. Is the buyer an entity? Is it a corporation? Is it a partnership? Is it LLC? This affects your buyer. Is it the purchase price above $300,000? In this area, probably so. This affects them. Then there's 14 counties across the front range. And so what I've done here is I've created a little cheat sheet here for you. So, um, these are properties in this, these counties, again, residential properties, 300,000 and above, the buyer is an entity and they're paying cash. Those are your impacted okay. transactions. So all so, of those parameters need mm -hmm. to be met. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're, if, you're an, if you're an institutional buyer, but you're getting a loan, this doesn't affect you. If you're an institutional buyer and you're not in one of these counties, doesn't affect you. Now, one of the things that I've seen recently is that, hey, is this new? Why are we doing this now? It's like, it's not new. It's new to our market. But this has been going on since 2016 in markets such as Florida, California, Texas. It seems that Colorado has now become a hotspot for, um, we'll call it foreign buyers, that are, that are, you know, buying up our land. And they want, the government just wants to, this organization just wants to make sure that we, we don't have any bad actors. Where's the money coming right. from? Right. Real estate is a really easy way to, to, for money laundering. We, we know this and they're just trying to keep it, treat, keep a good, keep a good eye on it just to make sure that, you know, we, they understand what's coming and going. Now, um, is it mandatory? The answer is Yes. Every title underwriter, so the big dogs out there, the people who are actually insuring the transactions, they are required by the government to provide this information. So in turn, it's trickling down to title agents, such as Canyon Title, that we are required to provide this to them. It's, 
It's not a good day if we decide we don't want to comply. Let's just put it that way. Um, and just real quick, I'll show you, this is the form that has to be filled out. It has to be filled out by the buyer. Government just wants to know, who are you? They want to know with the entity, who are partners in the entity? Where are you getting the money from? So I've got this cheat sheet for you. The, um, this document here is hyperlinked to it. So for any of, of your listeners, if they are interested, I'm happy, I'm happy to share that with you. Just to be prepared and get, as for an agent, get your buyer prepared that there's really not, a, there's not an alternative to this. It has to be done. Well, and if you don't have anything to hide, there's no reason to be scared of this. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. And this is all title companies, of course, right? This is a... Every single one of us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Well, this has been some great insights, Penny. I definitely appreciate you being on and sharing all this with you. You're a wealth of knowledge, or with us. You're a wealth of knowledge and uh, appreciate you taking the time. Oh, I, I appreciate the invite. This has been just the highlight of my week. So thank you, RJ. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So how can people reach you if they want to uh, touch bases and uh, pick your brain about anything or talk about what, how Canyon can help them with their transactions? You bet. I'm so glad you asked. So my um, easiest way, you can find me on all social channels. It's my title girl, Penny. I found that when my agents and my clients were in, introducing me, they're like, oh, it's my title girl, Penny. And I'm like, well, that's just perfect. So I've got that across all social networks. It's my title girl, Penny. Um, or you can email me. It's penny.crook. Uh, yes, you heard me right. I had the best, my mother had the best sense of humor, guys. So, Perfect name for the title business. I know, right? So penny.crook at canyontitle.com, and I'll get back with you as soon as I possibly can. Awesome. And I just, I know from personal experience that uh, Penny and Canyon are awesome. They've helped me with a ton of refinance transactions, and when I see them come across on a purchase contract, I'm always happy to see that. So they've just been excellent for me. Um, so I just wanted to give you that little endorsement as well. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. My team works really hard, so we really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. And I love the local uh, aspect that you guys are based out of here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, great. Well, if, if you're listening to this show and found some value here in this, please share it with other people that you know. That's how the word gets out. And consider leaving us a five-star review to support the show. And once again, my name is RJ Baxter with Intercap Lending, and thank you very much for tuning in.